We have U.S. Senator Pat Toomey on the line. He is a Republican senator and uh, is not running for re-election, so I guess we'll comment on, we'll ask about that. We have some listener questions, but we have our own. Good morning, Senator. Thanks morning, for calling senator. in. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for it. calling in. <laughs> Let's start out with Senate Bill 1. Of course, uh, that never made it out of committee. So tell us what elements in that bill were okay that the could be extracted and bipartisan support found in terms of overhauling or changing elections from Washington out to states. That's exactly the problem. Um, so I don't think there is any need to have the federal government take over elections. I think there are a lot of very bad consequences that would likely follow if we went down that road. So this is one of those um, in it that I put in the category of just a bad idea that doesn't deserve some kind of um, you know, split the difference and just take half of the bad things instead of all the bad things. Um, there's a reason that we have a state election system since the, the dawn of that's when we ought to do it. And and let's be clear, this election this election overhaul law is something our Democratic colleagues have been trying to do for twenty years. They come up with a different rationale every few years. But it's designed to give them a systematic advantage in elections. Uh, it's got things like uh, forbidding states from having a voter ID. Uh, it would turn the Federal Election Commission for the first time into a partisan agency that can weaponize um, the regulation of campaigns. It requires taxpayer money to massively subsidize campaigns. They, they have a provision in there that would require a six-to-one match six taxpayer dollars for every dollar in campaign contributions below a certain threshold. And in a state like Pennsylvania, it could be as much as $30 million that taxpayers would have to shell out to candidates who would be, you know, running ads and advocating policies that um, you know, a lot of voters don't support. Um, I could go on. It's, it's terrible uh, legislation. It's not actually designed to pass. Our Democratic colleagues know that um, there are no, there's no Republican support. In fact, even Senator Manchin has expressed his opposition to it. Um, and some of them have admitted that it's really about making the case to end the filibuster. Uh, so, so I have to say, it's very bad policy. It's being cynically used, and um, we should vigorously oppose it. Is the filibuster seriously in jeopardy, or is it? Uh, or do you think that the, the two senators on the Democratic side um, will hold fast and refuse to vote against it? You know, I, I hope they will, um, but um, you know, we we don't know. And what what uh, Senator Schumer is trying to do is to build a case to wear them down. So you know, when Republicans block an election takeover bill like this, and he'll have other purely political bills that uh, we will block. And he's going to say, he's going to turn to them at some point and said, okay, we tried it your way. We can't pass the president's agenda. So you need to at least weaken the filibuster or make exceptions. You know, there'll be some, some cover that they will try to give. I'm hoping that the Democrats who are holding out are sufficiently principled that they won't capitulate to that kind of pressure. But uh, I think we just don't know yet. Well, the other side of that coin is packing the Supreme Court. Recently, the court has come out with a lot of uh, unanimous or nearly unanimous decisions. You think that takes some of the pressure off? Well, it certainly should, right? I mean, the, the, uh, there were all kinds of uh, ridiculous and, 
and knowingly false horror stories about what the Supreme Court would and, and wouldn't do, um, and, and already they've been proven false. Um, but uh, still, our Democratic colleagues would love to have a Supreme Court that is just a rubber stamp for a liberal agenda. And so if you got rid of the filibuster, you would very quickly see a move to expand the court dramatically. Uh, you're right. There is no justification for it, even even on ideological uh, grounds. But um, that's one of the real dangers if the filibuster were to fall. The compromise infrastructure bill is going to take the form of an actual bill before too long. Your view on this and what's in it for Pennsylvania? There could be a lot of uh, there could be a lot of good infrastructure development in this bill. I, I have stressed there's three criteria that are most important to me. Number one, it's got to actually be physical infrastructure, not the expansion of the welfare state that the Democrats pretend is infrastructure, but actual roads and bridges and tunnels and airports and waterways. Those things are real infrastructure. We already spend a tremendous amount on it, but you could make a case that in some areas we could justify spending some more. So that that's number one. The scope has to be limited to actual physical infrastructure. The second is we can't raise taxes to do this. We should not be undoing the 2017 tax reform in particular that helped uh, help us to achieve the best economy in 50 years just before the pandemic hit. And then finally, we also shouldn't be just borrowing or printing this money because it's a lot of money. Um, what we ought to do is repurpose unspent money from previous COVID or recovery bills. There's well over a trillion dollars of money that's been authorized, it's been approved, in some cases it's been sent to states, but it hasn't been spent. It is so much money, in fact, that it can't be spent uh, in any short period of time. That money should be repurposed for this infrastructure bill. If we can meet those three criteria, and the first two seem to be largely met in this bipartisan negotiation, then um, then we could get to something that I could support. So. Uh, uh, we'll have to see. The president will have to agree to completely delink it from the big expansion of the welfare state that he's planning. With all this unspent money that's out there that you'd like to see repurposed, doesn't it give credence to those of us who believe that the government's answer, or at least the Democrats' answer to almost everything, is to throw money at a problem, whether it's needed or not? I mean, why not just allocate the money when a specific need is shown to exist? Well, uh, no, you're 100% right. Uh, there's a massive, massive amount of wasteful spending that's in the last year. I'll give you just one example. In 2020, early on during the pandemic and the lockdown, you know, we thought that state and local governments were probably going to just get crushed and their revenue, their tax revenue, would fall to a fraction of what they would normally expect to take, and that would be hugely problematic. So we started sending a lot of money to the state. We ended up sending altogether over $500 billion, and guess what we discovered by the end of the year? It turns out state and local governments across the country raised a record amount of revenue, all-time record high tax revenue, and yet they still got this $500 billion. Okay, you can say, well, we were sending them all of that money at a time when it wasn't yet clear that they were going to have a record amount of revenue, but you can't make that point about the completely partisan Democrat bill that was passed in March where President Biden insisted Despite the record revenue from last year, despite the $500 billion we sent them on top of that record revenue, he insisted on yet another $350 billion 
that they absolutely didn't need. It's unbelievable, really. Uh, they're just so determined to spend as much money as possible, as though it's monopoly money, but it's not. And and, and so, um, yeah, I can't support going going into the borrowing well to spend still more money. We should repurpose some of that money that's already been approved. One of our good listeners thinks that Dave Chipman is un-American and should not head the ATF. What's your view on this? Yeah, I have very, very serious concerns about uh, the positions he has taken. Uh, he, I think, has uh, expressed some real uh, hostility to the Second Amendment, and although the kinds of policies he's advocated would require legislation and there are not the votes to, to do it, uh, still it'd be disturbing to have him at the head of ATF. So I'm, I'm doing my final homework on this, but I have serious reservations about him. Let me ask you a philosophical question, Senator. You know, you're bowing off the political stage, or at least the senatorial stage. What's the future of the Republican Party? Is Donald Trump toxic, or is he a benefit to the party? And going forward, can we recapture, can the Republicans recapture the House and then the Senate again? I'm actually very optimistic that we've got a great shot at capturing both the House and the Senate. In in some ways, the House looks a little easier than the Senate. Neither one's easy, but but both are within reach. And I think it's because uh, a combination of factors. First of all, Donald Trump brought people to the Republican Party who hadn't been there before, and that itself was helpful. He's also driven people away from the Republican Party, and we've seen that in, uh, especially in, in Pennsylvania suburbs and suburbs throughout the country. But people are smart enough to make a distinction between a person whose character they may have serious problems with, uh, but the party, which has very successful policy outcomes. You know, again, the the traditional Republican orthodoxy of pro-growth, supply-side lowering of taxes, and pushing back of excessive regulation, which Donald Trump was very much a part of, that gave us the strongest economy in 50 years. And I mean, record low unemployment, record low for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, virtually every subset of the American population had record low unemployment. And wages were growing, and they were growing fastest for lower-income people. We were in a really good place because of conventional Republican policies. And I think people get that. You know, last fall, President Trump narrowly lost Pennsylvania, but we won two out of three of the statewide row offices. We held all of our U.S. House seats. We picked up seats in the State House and held on to the Senate majority. So I think the evidence is Pennsylvanians are, it, it, we're a divided state. It's always going to be close and competitive, but Republicans certainly can win if we feel good candidates. Yeah, especially if President Trump's not involved. So I guess uh, that'll, you have to keep that in mind. One of our list, uh, two more listener questions, then we're done. It says, please ask the senator why he's voted against many Biden nominations for cabinet and other administrative positions, including judges. Well, the question why I voted against any of them, um, I, there's a number that I voted for and there's a number I voted against. The ones I voted against are usually because I think they have radical political views that are outside the mainstream of Pennsylvania and American uh, political thought. Uh, Now, people who are more in the mainstream, even if I disagree with them frequently, uh, I often have supported uh, Secretary Yellen, for instance, as Treasury Secretary. I I recognize that she's going to support a Biden agenda that I'm going to usually disagree with, but I recognize her qualifications. 
and and her integrity has never been in question. So I voted to confirm her. What about the January sixth vote? Um, you voted. Uh, I well, the Senate voted not to go forward with it. But is there? Should there be some investigation of what actually happened on January 6th? I know there are currently a couple undergoing, uh, on, ongoing, but, you know, do we need a comprehensive look at what happened that day? So I think that it, probably we would benefit from that kind of comprehensive, bipartisan uh, examination of everything that led up to and the events of that day. Now, I was absent that day for a family commitment, uh, but I've said publicly uh, at the time and since then, that uh, I would I would have voted to allow the commission, and you know we could we could have another vote on that. And if we do, uh, as long as it is going to be a truly bipartisan commission, including commissioners and staff, then I would vote to um, to go ahead with that. Um, there are many investigations that are already underway. Some have been completed, um, but they tend to um, investigate various aspects of. January 6th, for instance, there was a bipartisan Senate uh, committee that took a very deep dive into the the actions taken by Capitol Hill police. Now, that's very important, and it can be instructive, but it's not the entire picture. There's also quite a number of people who are facing criminal charges. So those people are all being investigated, but again, they're being investigated for the narrow purpose of determining whether they should be convicted of having committed a crime and this is there are bigger questions than that so i do think uh i do think we'd be better off having a bipartisan commission anything else you'd like to add on any topic or maybe something we did not bring up oh, i think we covered a lot of ground and i just appreciate <laughs> the chance to be with you guys this morning well thank you so and much come back and coming. visit us again we'd love to have you back in the studio so next time you're in this part of pennsylvania you got an open mic here anytime thank you senator toomey thank you senator thanks for having me take care do appreciate that u.s uh, senator pat toomey republican not running for re-election we don't quite know precisely what he's doing private industry probably going to be uh wh- where you will find Uh, Senator Toomey in the future.